Hi, this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. Arrival of the Drakens is about a young man, Zade McDonald, who is a sand bushman who lives in the swamps of Botswana. He's a shaman who can connect with animals, read minds, and connect with other forces greater than himself. The arrival of the Drakens author, Francis Gerard, in a moment. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And today we have Francis Gerard. He has an interesting new book, The Arrival of the Drakens. And uh, interesting, um, my first question is, I, I know you've been to South Africa and Botswana, uh, but what led you in that direction to kind of base your main character from that area? All right. Um, I, I have to go back a few years. Um, I was asked to design and build a new museum in uh, South Africa. Um, and the museum is, co- is called the Origin Center. And it's the origins of all humans. And because, as you know, all humans began in Africa. That's right. Um, and the earliest DNA on the planet are the sand bushmen. And there are very few of them left now. They're, they've intermarried and... Uh, been badly treated by colonial powers all over the place. Mm. Um, but I, I was very lucky to spend nearly a year off and on with them and uh, with their communities. Um, and they, they, Botswana, if you know anything about Botswana, Botswana is very flat um, for literally four or 500 miles in any direction from the center, except for one series of mountains. It's huge rocky outcrop. And those, those mountains contain something like 45,000 paintings that the sand bushman painted. Right. Um, and and uh, it was a sacred place. And there is a sacred cave um, that was being excavated by um, uh, Cambridge scholars at the time I was there. And all of these ideas of the sand, etc., started percolating through me. Um, and because... And not only have I, do I design museums, I also made films. So I understood the, the medium. And so I, and I had a whole bunch of young kids in my family at the time. Every evening when they went to bed, I started telling them a story. And the story was about this child, Zaid. He starts the entire novel off uh, going on tra- in trance. And he was 15 years old when he first tranced. In the trance, he finds these dragons that are, that are chasing over the top of these mountains, uh, these Sodilo Hills, as they're called. So yes, yeah, so that's that's how it started. Um, and uh, when I when I'd finished most of my work and I'm now semi-retired, I decided, well, that, why don't I use that as the base for a book? Very interesting. And so you were there, and you actually you you obviously incorporated some of the culture into the story of that region. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the, they are an extraordinarily interesting people. Um, not only because they have the earliest DNA on the planet, but they, but they are 
very, very um, tied into links that um, allow them to experience things that we don't. We've now shed all of those, those um, things. So the book opens with Zaid uh, undergoing his first trance dance. And in that, he, he can see things happening amongst the community that he wouldn't have done had he not tranced. Mm. Um, and the, 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 the various different San trances that I spoke to, um, because what happens is we, we spoke to the shaman as they were uh, dancing and then uh, the day after to actually understand what they were going through at the time. And so we incorporated in the film that's in the origin center, we incorporated what they saw and you could see him transferring himself into an eland, which is a huge animal. And mm. through that, the eland's eyes, he can see sickness in people and therefore go and heal them. Whether you believe that or not is another, another matter, but the, the culture is very strong. And so that's why um, that became very easy for me to write, because I'd spent quite a bit of time with them. So Zane McDonald, you mentioned, and... Uh, he is a shaman, and what's interesting is, uh, like any good story, there is a choice that a character has to make. And, and to me, those are the most compelling stories, when a character has to make a choice between either A or B. In this case, either literally save his mother or save the universe. So that's a tough, that's a tough call. Uh, do the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one? I don't know. The, 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 the process happens as he goes into his first trance, and he's being looked after by his grandfather, etc. His mother had died several years earlier. Oh, okay. He had hardly remembered her. And so as he goes into the trance, he sees um, the, the sand when they travel, they see all these... Um, ropes to heaven and places like that so he is traveling on with these ropes and he suddenly sees coming from towards him two enormous dragons flying and and they they dance with him and they curl around him and he suddenly realizes the smaller of the two dragons is his mother's face and ah. and so the search immediately once he comes out of trance he starts wondering why he's seen a, a dragons and why his mother is one. So the process starts and an investigation starts. So it's a, it's a whodunit effectively, mm. but in several different um, time zones, if you want to put it that way. Since you spent time with shamans, what's the biggest misconception about them? You know, it's, it's the difference between people living in the 21st, 22nd centuries, and people who are still living in archaic times in terms of their belief systems, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so what is really fascinating when you meet these people, they try and explain to you in very simple terms what it is that they're seeing and why they're seeing it. And therefore, these people are imbued with um, a whole sense of life that we have rubbed out of ourselves in terms of we, we're all in fast cars and, you know, the latest bling, etc. But they haven't. They're still tied to their beginnings, as it were. It's, it's not just charming. It's really quite extraordinary, especially as there are probably now only about two or 3,000 San 
left on the planet. Yeah, wow. That's not a lot. That's not a lot. It's not a lot, indeed. And and the the intermarriages with other African uh, groups um, has meant that they're no longer pure San, most of them. They're they're a mixture, Hmm. like Zaid is, in fact. Oh, that necessarily might not be a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. <laughs> I mean, my, I'm, I'm a European. My wife is Chinese. Our children are half of of each. Yeah, yeah. I, I have uh, two half Chinese nieces. I know exactly what that is. So it's great. Good. Pretty interesting stuff. Now, as far as the book, um, mm-hmm. is this the first of a, of a trilogy, or maybe more than that? It's it's not a trilogy. It's the the book ends with a hook, of course, um, and the there is a second novel. Um, busy working here underneath the uh, underneath the, the camera. Yeah, when is that like a year away? That kind of thing. Yes, I mean, as my father was a novelist and wrote thirty novels. He's, he was pretty famous in Britain before the Second World War. So if you Google my Francis Gerard, you won't find me. You find my father most of the time. It was quite intriguing to decide to write a novel, um, and it was quite yeah. a quite a process. Um, but I've I've really enjoyed the the final uh, work that I put into it um, over the last year. Hmm. So it's probably eighteen months writing in in rough rough uh, timescale. What led after a you know after a, a career you know making films and documentaries? Yeah, what led you to be, you know, to sit at your computer and say, hey, I want to I write. Well, it wasn't so much. A, the story had been played out with my children. I mean, at bedtime. I right, yes, them. a bedtime story. That's I, right. I literally just carried, carried the stories, and they kept asking, what happened to Zay then? Um, and I said, well, the dragons came and they blah, blah. And, you know, the, the story just developed. They developed it I'm saying, by saying, what happened now? Why did that happen and i'd have to rapidly think through how i could engineer it so it was it was fun doing it um first of all without any thought of a novel at the time it was just storytelling Mm -hmm. um that then had to find a way onto a page and uh it was quite interesting because the writing that i'd done before effectively was for film documentaries right etc and it's a very different uh game in writing a novel to oh yeah it almost came came to the kind of my my wife almost gave me an ultimatum. You know, you either get this done or you can find another place. So uh, so I had a lot of urging to get on with it. Hey, thank you for listening to Sci Fi Talk. But stick around; I have more. Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Let's get back to sci-fi talk. I'm Tony Tolado. So when you wrote, did you have a specific schedule that you would write uh, the books? Or, or, it, was, or how, did, me, how did it happen? Well, it, for me, it was, it was, first of all, getting the structure right. Um, I, I had written several chapters right at the start. I, I literally wrote 
all the kind of sand parts very quickly because I knew it so well. And then the character himself, Zaid, is like my nephew. Um, so I, I can see him through various eyes. So that wasn't very difficult. What was much more difficult was setting up the way in which, you know, th th this is a, a book about the end of the universe. Um, so yeah. the, the, the actual storyline, so it required quite a lot of research. And uh, I'm very, very lucky that within my core team of people who design museums is an extraordinary person who has knowledge beyond anything one can imagine. So, uh, yeah. And he, he helped me a huge amount in dealing with how life might exist in various places, etc., and how they manifest themselves. And mm -hmm. the dragons became the 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 process. Um, and the misconceptions through time. And we know there are dragons because there are stories about dragons. Um, but they had to change themselves because they got killed off by us in the usual kind of fashion. So the yeah. story is is multifaceted. Um, and get all of that, and you get the process of the rogue element in the Dracons, who uh, um, is doing things that are going to ruin most of us. You would so you, you had a you had a lot of material to work with. So your day you would like would you write like from morning till lunch, take a break, and then go back, and then till dinner? Or how did you how did you actually I'm, schedule? I'm, a, I'm afraid I'm a workaholic. When I start something. <laughs> I, I tend to kind of switch off and I get yelled at it's it's supper or whatever it is and I have to kind of I I lock in pretty much six seven hours a day um, and uh, and I write that and then I print it out re re look at it change things etc and go back into it again but there yeah. were gaps there were gaps because there were several projects that I needed to get on the ground in sure. in we have museums going up in various different parts of Africa. We're, we're pretty much an African organization um, uh, nice. and it's embedded in South Africa. But so I, I spent a bit of quite a bit of time in Nigeria and various other places, Kenya, on various projects in the middle of writing. Writing was a secondary issue until about the last 18 months where um, uh, several agents and things said to me, for God's sake, Francis, are you going to get this finished or are we going to give up on it? <laughs> would you kind of label this you know there's the, the a, a growing scent a go, growing part of science fiction called afrofuturism and it, obviously with the dragons you can almost say it's an afrofuturistic fantasy would that be kind of accurate in that sense yeah i'd, I'd give that that full marks actually because it's it is a fantasy um but it's uh if you if you mix um, futuristic, you know, I've, I've been reading um, Bradbury, Asimov uh, as a child, and yeah. my, I love them. I mean, Clark's kind of childhood's end is one oh, of my yeah. favorite. So, yeah. I mean, for me, sci-fi wasn't some, something foreign at all. I understood the, the um, I mean, you know, uh, Fahrenheit 451, you know, all of these, these little things that I remembered and I, I didn't pinch from them, but what I did was I looked at the way in which Bradbury, genius at kind of just giving you a hint when you needed to. So yeah, I've got lots, lot of, lot to thank in the uh, in that in that regard in sci-fi. 
easily one of the most descriptive writers I've ever read in Bradbury, where his descriptions were part of the joy of reading him was just very much so. So elaborate and so beautiful, almost my a poetic quality to it. I was very lucky because my father, um, he uh, subscribed, he never wrote any sci sci-fi books, but we used to get those magazines, I cannot remember what they're called now, but with, with uh, short stories by Bradbury, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. And it, so that was my starting point. And then I moved on to the novels themselves. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's but, a good place to start. No question. As far as this, is this, a, is this available as an ebook or how? It is, yeah. yeah. It's an ebook and it's, uh, it's, um, and there it is in, in paperback. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's when Barnes and Noble have it, um, as an ebook. Um, and, uh, we're, trying to get to understand how Barnes & Noble will take a book and print it on, on receipt. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's Amazon have got it both in print and in, and in e-book. So, yeah, wherever you are, you can pick it up. Two good places to start, and Amazon okay. can deliver those things extremely fast, as we well know in this household. Oh, yeah. um, what about an audiobook? Is that something you've considered? Yes, I've, it, people have asked me about it. Um, uh, I'm, I'd need to find the right voice because it's yeah. it's a 15 year old effectively that is telling the story. So mm -hmm. I've got to find something. But I, uh, to be frank, um, I just thought, okay, let's just do these two um, because to do an audio book is means that I've got to spend quite a bit of time with that. And right now, I've got quite a lot on my plate um, yeah. on my other side. So if it gets to the point where it's, people want it to happen and somebody says to me, all right, let's do this, I'll certainly look at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of companies that do that and can supply a narrator. They'll give you like a list of different, actually, there are more than narrators or performers. These days, because of so much voice talent out there, somebody can easily sound like a 15-year-old. Good, good. Well, if you have any thought, I mean, if you have any uh, people that you can recommend, I'd be delighted to make a look at it. And uh, you know, I, I don't have any specific companies, but they're out there and they're not difficult to find. They want to be found and they want to uh, they want to do it. Um, I mean, it doesn't have to be a major audio publisher. It can be someone sure. you know uh, smaller, and the, and they have. Um, they have voice talent available, and, and that's what and they do. How big of the, in the marketplace is this becoming a very large um, slice of the market? Or um, well, here's the thing: because a, a lot of those are available as MP3 files, you yeah. can download it into your computer, your phone, yeah. or any portable or tablet, any portable device, and take it with you anywhere. You yeah. can listen to it while you're walking on a treadmill, whatever. So that's really why it's taken off so much. And there's so much out there right now because of that. Because of that, it's just a different way to absorb a book. I really like that, that kind of style. And mm -hmm. as I said, there's plenty of good narrators and performers out there that would, uh, that could do it justice. And, you know, you, you interact with them and, uh, and tell them. You know how to you know how to pronounce things and whatever sure. and uh, and how you want to perform it and then they'll bring their own thing to it and give their own spin on it too and uh, 
and that might even surprise you a little bit. So, thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll when I get back from uh, my next trip, uh, I'll certainly look up and find out who's around that might be. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There's plenty out there. Great. As far as something I love to ask authors is, yes, I, I love the tactile experience of holding the book and watching the spine kind of bend after re- multiple readings. You can get it as an ebook now, mm. and you can also get the second book as an ebook and had them on your device. So if you're traveling, for example, you don't have to carry two books. You carry it on your phone or tablet, mm. and you can read it on a plane, read it anywhere. What's that like for an author to have that kind of accessibility? This is the extraordinary thing about life. It's moving at such speed. Um, yes. <laughs> the, the process is astounding. I've made something like about ooh, 500 hours of television, uh, documentaries and dramas and things. And, and when you think about that, and people still, I mean, there's a Vimeo channel that carries the stuff. And I mean, there are people constantly contacting me from all over the world and saying, gosh, that was fantastic. Did you do anything else um, and follow through? Yeah, I think, I think that um, the way in which stories are told have become so astounding. I mean, uh, I have a 16-year-old son who um, is busy kind of writing a, his first screenplay. Uh, you know, yeah. there, are, there are, you know, I didn't start writing anything like that until I was in my late 20s, you know. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I, I think the options are fantastic. I got to ask you kind of off the subject, but the announcement in the news here in America about the fusion reactor and the, the possibilities that by the time your son is reaching retirement age, electricity might be something kind of quaint, at least the way it was generated originally. Well, I mean, it is. I've I've been listening to the uh, the two podcasts out about about that um, that I just looked at this morning. It is fascinating because if that happens, then a huge weight of people's minds on how the how we are going to get through the next kind of hundred years yeah. actually can be put to rest mm-hmm. because we are ruining this planet in such a dramatic way. I mean, and and that finally to find. A resource that is not going to ruin kind of countrysides, God knows what else, and the atmosphere. It's oh, it's fabulous. It really is. It, it's got a long way to go, though. I mean, another okay. twenty years before it's actually, oh, yeah. actually yeah. there in the house and things. But it's uh, oh, it's extraordinary. That's that's the that is the we're so lucky. Can you imagine being in the eighteenth century and you're watching things move at at this terribly slow pace? Today we're watching. Everything changed. I mean, literally, it's so fascinating. Yeah, it really is. Now, I'm very hopeful now. And um, obviously, the first effect sure. you would see is sure. the planet would get greener. And, very much uh, so. And, um, it w- and the oceans would get cleaner. The rivers and we, don't, we, don't have to, we don't have to join um, Elon on a trip to Mars instead. Yes. But, you know, that's... It, the, the beauty that we would spend on, for example, hurricane damage and, and other things we could spend on space and, and just making life better for everyone. But right. for a third world country to have the ability of that kind of power, it's going to change them as well. It's going to be very cheap 
and abundant power. It will never run out. So it's amazing. It, it's going to change. It'll change in a hundred years. We're, we're going to, if we could go forward, we're not going to recognize the earth there. I was very amused to uh, listen to uh, one of the scientists at the core of that uh, discovery. Um, and he's an Englishman. Um, and uh, the only way you can actually work on the process, because it's a U.S. Uh, military kind of thing, yeah. is becoming an American uh, citizen, which he did. And, <laughs> and he, he said it was the best choice I ever made. He said, I still I am English, but I'm, I'm an American on this process. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, the faster we move down borders between things, the better, quite frankly. Yeah, absolutely. We are, we are living in Britain and through a completely mad situation where we, we refuse to be part of Europe and sitting on our own. Ludicrous, totally ludicrous. Life, yeah. life is sharing, not cutting yourself off of people. Well, we're, we kind of got through a little bit of an isolationist period here in the States. And uh, fortunately, that's not the case right now. And I hope that never comes back. Sure. Because uh, cooperation and everything, science, trade, and just, you know, mutual respect is really what the goal should be. I agree completely. Absolutely. Yeah. So the arrival of the Dracons, that's the first one. You have a title for the second one yet? Not yet. No, no, no. Um, but uh, <laughs> it'll have Dracons in the title. Okay, there you go. All right. <laughs> it's fantastic. And it's available wherever you get your books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. So yeah. it's easily available in print and also in ebook. Thank yeah. you so much for uh, being on the uh, podcast. And best of luck with this and its uh, sequel as well. <laughs> Thank you. Look for Arrival of the Drakens wherever you get your books. This is Tony Tolato. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The, is it morning yet, deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba.